You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. If you were here last week, you'll remember in the morning, Pastor Esther, in the evening, Jonathan uh, Chan kicked us off and looked at the call to reach and this this idea, this foundation stone to our six-week series that we are all called to be those that reach out, that church was never designed to sit inside four walls closed and boxed off. The church is God's answer to a broken world, and we are called to go. Uh, Esther last week reminded us that Jesus commands us to go. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, all authority, Jesus says, in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then he says this importantly, and surely I am with you always. Can we say always? Always, even to the very end of the age. But there is this commission and this call to go. And secondly, uh, Esther reminded us that uh, Jesus calls us to love our neighbor, which means we carry concern for their today. Uh, that they might be able to face today with God and concern for their eternity. John chapter 3 is very clear. Whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life. Whoever does not believe in Jesus stands condemned already. You know, Christine Kane, I believe it, said, we must make Jesus' last command our first priority, to go and make disciples and, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And within that, we would be those that reach out, that we don't, keep to ourselves the goodness that God has given to us. We've just been singing, God, you're so good. Well, if he is so good, am I going to keep that to myself? That, that doesn't seem right, does it? When it's been freely received, should it not be freely given? And yet sometimes we need help in being able to reach. And how do we do that? How do we reach a broken world? Maybe you're here today uh, as a visitor, or as a guest, someone new into church. You, you don't yet know the saving grace of God. And our prayer is even today before you leave that you might come into relationship with Jesus. But my guess is that probably most of us in the room at some point, we crossed the line of faith and, and we made a decision to follow him. And how are we doing, this is what this series is about, how are we doing in shining our light and sharing what we have been freely given with those around us? I remember the first person that I had the privilege of leading over the line, as it were, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light was a guy at university called Chris. I was in my first year. It was my first term. And Chris and I, we were on the same course. Uh, but we didn't look as though we had much in common when I met him. Uh, I was kind of into sport. Chris wasn't into sport. Uh, I, I was into a certain genre of music. Uh, Chris, was, uh, Chris was into whatever is a couple of shades beyond heavy metal. You know, I don't know if that's kind of death metal or like, you know, doom metal or what. I, I don't know. Some of you might know that. It, it's, it's whatever is on the, on the dark side of heavy metal. And Chris was into this stuff, you know, 10-minute drum solos, and, you know, I I don't consider it really to be music. Maybe some of you do. And uh, Chris would always dress in black. He had long black hair. I'd never heard him give a tone that suggested positivity. Um, And I remember one day, like, I just bumped into Chris, and I knew him because we were in the next flat to one another. I said, hey, Chris, how are you? And he went, ugh. And and I kind of said, what's up? And he said, I'm not sleeping. And I said, what? Well, I had to clarify what he said, actually. But it's like, I'm not sleeping. So I said, oh, what's the problem? He said, I don't know. I just can't sleep. I'm struggling to sleep. So I wanted to say to him, can I pray for you? 
You know, I was a new Christian. I was full of enthusiasm, but I thought Chris being Chris will probably tell me what to do with my prayer. So I, I decided I was going to pray for him privately. I had a group of friends. We met 7.30 in the morning to pray. The next morning, we got together with my guys. I kind of said, look, you know Chris Lenton? I said, we should pray for him. He's struggling to sleep, and let's pray, see what God can do. Anyway, I saw Chris later that day, and I, I said, hey, how you doing? And for the first time, he was quite bright, and he said, oh, I'm good. And I said, oh, that's great. And I said, how did you sleep last night? And he said, you never believe it. He said, I, I slept through my alarm this morning. And I went, wow, that's amazing. And like, he looks at me like, why are you so excited about my alarm? And so, so I, I kind of said, well, I said, when was it set? And he said, what, what are you on about? He said, quarter to eight. And I said, brilliant. And he said, what, what's your problem? I said, look, I, I've got to make confession here. I said, it's 7.30 this morning. I'm a Christian and a group of Friends, we gather to pray, and we prayed for you. We pray that God would help you to sleep. And I thought at this point, Chris would say, well, I'll tell you what you can do with that. He actually said to me, wow, thank you. It must have worked. Later that week, we had an event at our, uh, at our uh, hall of residence, a Christian union event, and, and I invited Chris along, and he came. And at the end of it, I wasn't quite sure what to say to him, but I kind of just said, hey, what did you think? And he said, oh, it was great. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I was not expecting that from him. Never judge a, a, a book by its cover, right? And um, he was closer to the kingdom than I'd given him credit for. And I said, what did you think of the message? And he said, I really liked it. And I said, well, what, what about the bit where it kind of talked about Jesus and us needing Jesus to be forgiven for our sins? And he said, yeah. I said, Chris, do you want to become a Christian? And he said, I think I do. And I said, wow, do you, should we do it now? And he said, why not? And then I panicked because I had no idea what to do next. And I, I remember kind of going, well, I, I, I've not done this before, but I, I remember someone did this with me, and they kind of prayed a prayer, and I, I echoed it. So let's have a go. So we had a go, and he prayed, and he gave his life to Christ. I remember the next morning, I gave him a Bible. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning. Took it around, knocked on his door. I gave it him, and I, I told him, you know, don't start at Genesis. Start at Matthew. Read about Jesus. And, and then I saw him at dinner time. It was about 6 p.m. I said, did you get a chance? Did you get a chance? He said, yeah, I skipped my lectures this afternoon. He said, I'm halfway through. What's it called? Luke? And uh, so he, like, he'd stayed back, and he'd read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I was trying to do one chapter a day, and he was, like, creaming through the New Testament. And um, what a joy. What a joy to see the light come on and see this young man changed, to see him transformed and wonderful. But you know, I wish it was easier. In my 30 years of being a Christian, you know, I, I don't know who's with me who wish it was easier. Like, I, I don't know, I, I don't find it very easy. I've got a handful of stories on my journey, but you know, there are some people who are brilliant at this. Have you met anybody like that? I, I've met some people who they're just brilliant at this. John Partington, who was the national leader of our, of our movement until not long ago, he's just a brilliant natural evangelist. He's been a church leader for most of his life, but he's also he's an amazing evangelist. He can, he can talk to anybody about Jesus. I don't know how he does it. I've been with him in a restaurant, and he'll, he'll talk to people about Jesus. I've been in a sauna, and, uh, and he'll start talking about Jesus. I need to get out to breathe, and you know, John's still going for it. And I remember one time, I don't know why it was, we went to get some, some food. We went to an Indian uh, takeaway, we, we, we didn't phone up. I don't know why we didn't do that. We, we went to this place and we ordered it and then we sat there. We're waiting. There's another couple there. They're waiting for their food and they're like really talking to each other. They're, they're into each other. And it didn't really look like the sort of environment where they're looking to engage with other people. I, I feel like if I had tried to break in, they'd probably gone, yeah, you're right, mate. And um, 
But John starts talking and they engage with John and he gets them laughing. And then I don't know how he does it, but it's like somewhere along the line, we move from Jal Frazee to Jesus and now we're talking about God. And it's like, how did you do that? And then at the end of it, you know, he's saying, you need to come to church. And they're looking like they want to and saying, yeah, we'll come. And I'm getting the car. I go, like, how? how? Like, how? You know, I don't know about you, but I, I need some help. And this series is really to help those. You know, if you're in the John Partington category and you're like, look, I just do this wherever I go. God bless you. Lay hands on the rest of us. But for most of us, we need some encouragement. We need some help. We need some accountability. We need some provocation. Uh, we need uh, a little support here. And that's what this series is really about. Try and be real. But help us to move while we're not keeping this incredible news, this goodness of God to ourselves. And so as you heard last week, we're looking at reaching through compassion, through the gospel, a generous life, looking at barriers. But today, we're going to look at reaching through witness. Can we all say that? Reaching through witness. We're reaching through the witness of our lives. There's a very famous verse in Acts 1. We'll come to it soon. But less famous in Acts 21, before Jesus goes to the cross, Jesus gathers the disciples and he starts to speak about what's going to come. And he says to them that they're going to find themselves in different places and they'll be his witnesses. He says this, Luke 21, verse 12, They'll lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You'll be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. This will result in your being witnesses to them. Or another translation, it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. And what Jesus is saying is like, don't be phased in the days to come where you find yourselves in places you didn't expect to be. Uh, find yourself in places maybe you didn't want to be because you'll be there to be a witness for me. That's why Paul in prison uh, later, because he'd caught this, even though he wasn't among those that Jesus was speaking to at that time, where he says in prison, and, and pray for us too that God will open a door for our message. He doesn't say pray that God would bust me out of here. He says, I'm here, so pray that God would open a door for our message that while I'm here, I might proclaim Christ. And I want to say to us, you know, we might not be under persecution, but where you are is not by accident. If you're placed somewhere, you're there that you might be salt and that you might be light, you might be a witness. If you're in a place of work or study, in a home, in a neighborhood. You know, this weekend I've, I've reached out to one of our neighbors with an act of kindness because I, I, I don't know if there are any other Christians on my road. I don't know of any. I kind of think, well, if God's placed us there, we'd better at least take responsibility for where we are. Jesus, later after he's been to the cross and he's risen from the dead, he gathers with the 12 just before the 11, just before he ascends to the Father. This is what it says, Acts 1, we'll read from verses 4 to 9. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They, they, they so didn't understand what was about to happen. To them, They did incredibly well, I think, uh, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, knowing what to do from where they were. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And then in these mission-defining words, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Can we say that together? You will be my witnesses. He says, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him. 
from their sight. And so it was that, that the disciples, they went about, and if you look through the book of Acts, there's so many times where they preach, but expressly they say, and we were witnesses of this. Like we, you know, Peter, he's preaching, as we heard last week, so on the day of Pentecost, he's trying to piece together what has happened. Uh, and, and he says, uh, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. He said, look, this Jesus was crucified, you crucified him, God raised him, and we're witnesses. We saw him, we were with him. They go around proclaiming their testimony. We saw him alive. Peter, you know, right before uh, his death, the, the letter of 2 Peter as we have it in the New Testament, not long before Peter died, he's still talking about what he saw. He talks about the Mount of Transfiguration, I think it's Matthew 17, where Jesus goes up with Peter, James, and John, and he's glorified. Jesus, uh, he left his glory aside as he came into our world as a baby in Bethlehem, but in that moment, he is glorified in their presence. It's called the Transfiguration, and somehow Moses is there, and Elijah is there, and Peter speaks about it right at the end of his time, uh, and he says, we didn't follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's talking, he, he talks about the transfiguration. He said, we were there. We've seen his glory already. And they understood the power of testimony. If you read through the book of Acts, you'll see that they're, they're preaching the gospel, but they're also preaching out of their testimony. This is what we saw. This is what we know. They understood the power of testimony. Now hear me right. I believe we must all be ready to share the matchless message of the cross, the gospel of Jesus, that we are all sinners in need of a Savior, and Jesus on the cross took our sin and our shame, and if we accept the message of the cross, that forgiveness is ours, and we can come into relationship with the Father and be filled with the Holy Spirit, that His resurrection power can be ours. And in a couple of weeks' time, Luke will help us as he brings a part of our series, Reaching with the gospel, but uh, I, you know, I, I've been transformed by the power of the gospel. I'm not saying in any way we should not be ready to share. You know what? That song that we were singing a moment ago, oh, the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the reason I'm alive, for his blood has set me free. It will never lose its power for me. That's my testimony. And yet, here's the thing, that while we must be ready to share the gospel, I think we're also called to do something much simpler, and that's just be a witness. It's not either or, it's and also. To tell our story, to testify of what we know, of what we've seen. You might say, well, I, I am not an eyewitness of the glory of Christ. I never saw the resurrected Jesus. But let me tell you this, if you've known something of the presence of God, you have evidence that he is alive. If you've ever prayed a prayer that God has answered, you have a testimony, you have a story, you, you can be a witness to the reality of the message. If you've known something of the grace of God, of the love of God, if He's guided or if He's led you, then you have some evidence that it's real. And you can share that, you can be a witness to that. If He's transforming your life, if He's given you a sense of purpose, if you've seen Him at work in your family, if you've experienced a miracle, then, then you have evidence that Jesus is alive. Can I, does anybody have any, any evidence in their life that Jesus might be alive? So we can all be witnesses of that. You must be like, I'm not a preacher. It's fine. You're not called to be a preacher. You're called to be a witness. 
In a court of law, there's a barrister, and the barrister will prepare the case and, and gather the evidence and present it in a persuasive way and try to get a result and a decision out of a jury. But if you take the stand as a witness, you're just saying what you saw. And Jesus says, I, I want you to say what you've seen. I, I, want you to, I want you to share what you've experienced. I want you to be a witness unto me. You know, sometimes you'll see a, a police sign which is appealing for witnesses or on crime watch. They'll say this terrible thing happened and we believe, you know, there must be somebody that knows something. You know, it says there at the top, we are appealing for witnesses. Did you see or hear anything? And I want to say, church, has anybody seen or heard anything that Jesus might be alive? Because I believe the world is appealing for witnesses. Does anybody know why we're here? Does anybody know what happens when we die? Can anybody tell me what, it, what the meaning of life is? Has anybody able to witness anything? Has anyone seen anything? You might not have the whole evidence. You might not be able to be the barrister in the courtroom. But can we take the stand in our place of work or our homes and, and say, I, I don't know everything, but, but I know this. I know this. I think it's so important. I, I learned early on the power of testimony. I, I was a youngish Christian. I was doing an internship with a church, and I was working at Asda, and I worked with this lady called Tracy. Now, now, Tracy was a really lovely lady, but I got the impression she didn't want to know about my faith. You know, when I rocked up, I was quite enthusiastic, uh, and I was like, hey, I'm Martin. I'm a Christian. And, uh, you know, she's like, yeah, whatever. And, um, you know, I'm trying to, like, you know, Monday morning, I'd go to work, and and I'd say, how was your weekend? And it was okay. How was your weekend? i said, say, oh, church was amazing. And, um, you know, she never asked anything. She'd go, okay. Um, and it was like, just didn't really want to engage in the conversation. But then one day something strange happened, which was uh, I felt the Lord speak to me uh, and ask me to give a hundred pounds to somebody. And like, I, I mean, I so didn't have a hundred pounds. I think if he'd asked me to give five pounds at that time, I, like I couldn't have done it. And I remember saying to the Lord, like, Lord, that's ridiculous. Like, uh, like how can I give a hundred pounds? Do I have a hundred pounds? So why don't you give a hundred pounds? I said, Lord, Lord, if you give me the hundred pounds, I'll give the hundred pounds. But like, I, this sower needs seed. The next day, uh, I got a check through the post uh, and it was an anonymous check. It was drawn from a building society. So it was to me, and, uh, but I couldn't see who it was from, and it was for 100 pounds. And it had been written and posted the day before my conversation with the Lord. And I was like, wow, Lord, you're amazing. So I, like, I banked the check, I got the money, and I gave it. But when I went into work, I said to Tracy, you never guess what happened this morning. I said, I, I, I got given 100 pounds anonymously. And she was like, what? Like, Go on, tell me what happened, what happened? And she was like, no way, I don't believe it. Like that never happens. Now for me, I, I've been in and around the Christian world for a while. I'd understand that God provides it. It wasn't, although it was exciting to receive it, it wasn't like this huge shock for her. She'd never heard anything like it in her life. I mean, how in the world, who gives a hundred pounds and doesn't put their name to it? And, and, but I told her the story and she was so captivated by it. And about two hours later, she said to me, mine, Tell me about the check again. And she wanted the whole story. And later that day, I got about four o'clock. She said, Martin, just tell me again about the check. And like, and here's the thing. It's like, she didn't really want to know when I said, I, I, I've, I've found the goodness of God. But when I told her what God does, suddenly she was engaged. And some of you might have a story. 
God might have answered prayer for you in some way and you can share that. We don't need to be weird about it. We can share that. It's really powerful. In John chapter four, many of you will know the story of the woman at the well. There's a woman who's from Samaria. She's got a questionable past. We learn later in the story because Jesus speaks to her that she's had five husbands and the man she now has is not her husband. In those days, the, the women would normally travel together in the cool of the day to get the water, and it's, it's in the heat of the day, she's there by herself, and it kind of tells us that she's ostracized from the society that she's in. She comes by herself, and Jesus sends the, the disciples on to get food. It says that like, he sent them to get lunch. I mean, all of them. I mean, how many, how many do you need to go and get lunch? But he sends them all, and it kind of seems a bit orchestrated that he's there with this lady, just the two of them, and he wants to reach her, and he begins to talk to her, and he said, hey, could I have a drink? Now, a man and a woman shouldn't speak in that environment openly, and certainly not a Jew with a Samaritan, and Jesus engages with it. He just forgets protocol, or, or, or I should say discards protocol. And he comes and he engages her and he talks to her and he treats her as a person of value and of worth. And, and he says, do you know what, I, like, it, I've got living water. I said, actually, you can draw some water here, but the water I have, you'll never thirst again. She says, I, I'd like to have that living water. They start talking about worship and, and she says, but you worship in Jerusalem, we worship on the mountain. She says, let me tell you, as the day is coming when you can worship in spirit and truth. And they have this conversation. Then he says, go and get your husband. She said, don't have a husband. He says, you're right when you say that because you've had five husbands, the man you now have is not your husband. And she's totally blown away by Jesus. But here's the thing in the story that I want us to spot today. Because she went back to her village and she's so amazed by Jesus. She goes back and the, the village within which she would seem to be ostracized, she starts speaking and she says, this verse 29, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and catch this phrase, I think so powerful for us, and they made their way towards him. They made their way towards him. You see, it was the power of her testimony that caused them to make their way towards him. I wonder if we could say together, they made their way towards him. Why am I pressing this point today? Because I think actually it can be our testimony that can cause people to make their way towards him. It's when people see the reality of God in your life. They might not fully believe it. They might see something's going on. But when we share the goodness of God, the reality of God, what we believe, we share our story, our, our testimony, when we are a witness to the light that is Jesus, then it can cause people to want to make their way towards Him. So they urge Jesus to stay, and He stays a couple of days. And then we pick up the story, verse 41 of John 4, it says, And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. We've now heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Here's the point. They believed for themselves when they met Jesus personally. But if she hadn't shared her story, I'm not sure they would ever have come. And people need to find Jesus for themselves. They're, they're only going to be saved and enter in when they meet Jesus for themselves. But your story and your testimony can cause them to make their way towards him. And that's why we need to be witnesses. 1975, the, a guy called James Engel wrote a book, What's Gone Wrong with the Harvest? And he devised what's come to be known as the Engel Scale. And it's this idea that most people are on a journey. Some people, they can encounter God and in a moment give their lives to Christ. But most people are on a process, on a journey. This was definitely true for me. 
It was probably like a six to 12 month process that I made this journey. And, and the Engel Scale, you can check it out, go online. Um, no awareness of God, some awareness of God, contact with Christians, interest in Jesus, decide to investigate Jesus, grasp the truth about Jesus, understand the implication of this, accept the Christian truth, accept the implications. Decision number 10, to surrender to Jesus Christ. In some forms of this, it would go from a minus 10 to a plus five. But here's the point, that it can be our witness, our testimony, that can move people onto this scale in the first place. There are many people in our world that know nothing of the reality of God. It's been said recently that in the UK, we are no longer in a post-Christian society. We have come full cycle. We are now in a pre-Christian society where the generation coming through, they don't know anything about Jesus. They've not got baggage from their parents or baggage from the church. They have no experience whatsoever. And so we can find a lot of people around our world have got no awareness of God or maybe some awareness of God, but it's our testimony, it's our witness that can cause people to move forward and maybe take an interest in Jesus. And this is why our witness is so important. So how are we going to witness? Firstly, I want to say by our character and our conduct. By our character and our conduct. In 2 Corinthians, end of chapter 2 into chapter 3, Paul uses two amazing metaphors. He says, we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And who is equal to such a task? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you are an aroma. Now, I don't, know, I don't know if you're a good aroma or a bad aroma, but you are an aroma. I don't know in the place where you live and work, are you giving off a good fragrance? Uh, only you can know that and answer that. But, but this is what Paul says. You are the aroma of Christ to those who are being saved and also to those who are perishing. And then he says this, and do we like some people need letters of recommendation to you or from you. And then, and then he says this, you, you are our letter written on our hearts. Catch this, known and read by everyone. Why do you turn to your neighbor and say, you're a letter? You're an aroma and you're a letter. It's our character and our conduct that speaks to people. We give off a fragrance by how we are and actually people read us, read and known by everyone. And I wonder the place where you are, what kind of a witness of you, what is the letter of your life saying? If you are read and known by everyone. I learned this the hard day. One of my worst days of being a Christian was towards the end of my first year at university. I'd gone off to university as a new Christian. I was, I was excited about Jesus and we saw lots of people become Christians, saw people get saved. and It's an incredible year. But you know, at the end of the year, I went to an event and I had too much to drink and I behaved in a way on that night that was completely inappropriate for a follower of Jesus. I remember the next day, I, you know, I, I knew I'd messed up. I knew I'd done bad. But in the afternoon of the next day, a guy that I knew called Lee that I'd never spoken to about my faith, he came to me and he said, Martin, I'm really disappointed. And I said, what, what are you talking about? He said, I saw you last night. So I'm disappointed. I, I, I said, what, what's the problem? He said, look, he said, I grew up in a Christian home, but in my mid-teens, I, I turned my back on God. I thought all Christians were hypocrites. And, and, and this year, I, I've been watching you. And you seem to be, for the first time, I thought I'd seen somebody who was actually real, who, who knew God and was trying to live it. But last night, I realized you're just the same as everybody. Can you imagine? And he said, I've been watching you all year. I had no idea Lee was watching anything. 
Can you imagine how I felt? Not only had I let God down, but I'd let this guy down. My life is a letter known and read by everybody, and it, it was a wake-up call for me. That people that you think are not interested and are not watching, they're watching. Because people are looking for witnesses. Can anybody indicate to me whether this is real? You know, we've got people, great stories of shining and, and standing up for God. Uh, 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 many of you will know Gift, uh, Gift Muster. What, Gift, why don't you just briefly stand for us? I think you've got to love this guy. You've got to love this guy. So, um, but, so Gift, uh, among, thank you, among other things, if you, know, if you know Gift, you'll know he's awesome. If you don't, I'll get to know him, and then you'll also know he's awesome. But uh, among other things, he's a semi-professional football player, uh, and he... He keeps winning Player of the Month. But when he wins Player of the Month, normally Player of the Month for Coventry United, who he plays for, uh, they get a bottle of vodka. But when he first won Player of the Month, he goes, I don't drink. I'm going to have to give it back. And so he put it back into the lottery the next time, kind of, he gave it back. And so here he is. This is uh, getting, he's getting a bottle of water because they, they know, they know he's different. And he stands out. So on the social media, they've got supporters sending messages in going, I think it's really great you're standing up for your faith. Now, now has that led anyone to Jesus? Yeah, I, I don't know, but I know this, that if anybody needed to know about God, they'd know where to go. Because the character and the conduct of somebody in their midst, they know this guy is the real deal. A letter read and known by everybody. And there's the pressure of us taking the stand, but I want to encourage us that actually our lives say something. I want to ask you today, what, what is your language saying? What is your humor saying? What is your integrity saying? What are your relationships saying? How do they, how do they speak to people? How, how do you speak about others? Are you the same as those around you or are you the aroma of Christ? I think it's so powerful when a young person says, I'm not having sex before marriage because... It's the aroma of Christ. It stands out in our society. It's a witness. It's a fragrance. My friends, let us, through our character and conduct, be a witness and be an aroma. Secondly, we witness by our acts of love and kindness. You know, we can speak, and it's important to speak, but it's interesting, if you look at the book of Acts, in Acts 2, Peter's preaching, but the next thing that happens is, although he speaks into it, really it's an action. There's a cripple, and, uh, and the cripple's asking for money, and Peter says, look at me, and he says, silver and gold we haven't got, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk, and he helps him by the hand, and, and this guy gets healed. It's an act of kindness, it's an act of faith. It might be that we need to pray for someone to be healed. Not just our character and our conduct, how we conduct ourselves, but that we do something. Maybe there's somebody in your place of work or study that is sick. Have you offered to pray for them? You might say, well, I, I don't know if God would heal them. Well, listen, that's God's problem, not your problem. But I think it's powerful when we say, do you know what? I, I mean, for me, I, I've been prayed for and I've been healed. And I can say to somebody, look, I, I don't know if this is going to work. But what I do know is that when I've been prayed for, I've been healed. So can I pray for you? This is part of being a witness. It's been a signpost. I've got some evidence that Jesus can heal, so can I pray for you? Maybe to help someone in their area of need, we saw a couple of weeks ago the great video of, of Karen, this lady who's been reached through our debt counseling agency in the city, Christians Against Poverty, and, and how she talks about someone reached out to her at her lowest ebb and gave practical help, Ian and uh, and Chris going into the, her environment and helping her. And then at the end of that video, she's able to say, you know, the best thing is, 
I've got my life back on track with God. I've rediscovered my faith, is I think the phrase that she used. But do you know what? I'm not sure she would have heard anything until she'd been helped. Acts of kindness and of love. Maybe we need to show grace and gentleness when people are expecting the opposite. You know, friends, it's true, isn't it, that sometimes actions speak louder than words. I wonder if you can show grace to somebody this week. Somebody that you have the right, if I can put it like this, in the normal protocols of human interactions, you have the right to be angry with. If you show them grace and love, it will speak very loud. When we're, we're perfectly within our right to ball somebody out and actually we show them tenderness and grace, it can be incredibly powerful. I'm not going to stay here because... Next week, Esther's going to look at reaching through compassion. And in two or three weeks, Dr. John Andrews is going to look at reaching through generosity. So our final area today, though, we can witness by our words and our stories. At its heart and in its essence, this is what a witness does. A witness speaks. If in a court of law, a witness is brought forward and they say nothing, they're not a very good witness. A witness has to be willing to speak and we have to be willing to say something. I want to say, if you're a Christian, uh, two things. Number one, you have your story. You have your story. Now, some, I know there are some people, you've got an amazing story, and sometimes we hear people. I remember Lewis uh, coming up, standing here a couple of weeks ago, did such a great job, and he's, he's talking about his story. Oh, wow, that's such a powerful story of transformation. And some of us, you know, maybe we grew up in Christian homes, and we thought, well, I've not got much of a story. Let me tell you, never Believe the lie that your story isn't important because it's your story. It's authentic. What God has done in your life. In Acts 26, if you've done Rooted, I know many people here have done the discipleship journey Rooted or you're doing it. Week 9, it looks at this. It looks at, at our story and it looks at Paul in Acts 26 speaking to King Agrippa. And Paul, he takes the opportunity. He's there before a court of law to justify his actions. And he takes the opportunity to tell his story. And he talks about his before. And then he talks about his encounter and his commitment. And then he talks about his after, his life transformation. And we can all look at, at our before and our encounter and our after. Even if you became a Christian in, in a Christian home at the age of three, you, can, you have a story of something of the goodness of God, something of the change of God in your life. If you've known something of his goodness and his grace, then you have a story to tell. I, I have a story to tell. And if you've done Rooted, I encourage you to go back and dust it down. If not, practice your story. I can tell my story in three minutes and I can tell it in an hour. I can tell my story. And I've found recently the best place to tell my story is when I've got some time. For me, the most fruitful time in the last year has been on the touchline while my son's been playing football. One of the dads, Dave, said to me recently, he said, oh, so what, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm a pastor of a church. And he said, oh. Now, now, normally when I say that, people kind of go, oh. But he kind of said, oh. And he said, have you always been religious? And I said to him, no. I said, can I tell you my story? Can I tell you my story? I, I sat by a guy on a plane called Ralph, and it's like, hi, where are you going? Where are you going? We were going to Singapore, and I said, what are you doing in Singapore? And he told me, I said, he said, what are you doing in Singapore? And I told him that I was speaking at a church, and, and he said, oh, you know, how does that work? And I said, can I tell you my story? I mean, it was a long-haul flight. We kind of may as well go for it. This guy's got no other seat to sit in. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to push the envelope, but we've got 13 hours here. So, like, we'll go for the long version. So I kind of, you know, I, when I was born, um, so I was like, but I simply say to people, if I get the opportunity, can I tell you my story? 
It's not the most dramatic story. I never went to prison. I never, I never dealt drugs. But I've got a story of how God came and turned my world around. The person that I was. And, and when I found him and when I found his grace and I found that he was real and I was able to get into a relationship with him and speak to him and know his comfort and his joy and he turned the priorities of my life around. It's my story. It's not the most dramatic story that I've ever heard, but it's my story. And through it, I can share something of the goodness of God. I want to tell you, you have your story. Paul had his story. He's there before King Agrippa. Agrippa's asking him why he's here and why he should let him off. And he takes the opportunity. He's like, let me tell you my story. You know, only the very last bit was relevant to the question, but he took the opportunity. I wonder when was the last time you shared someone your story? If you get the opportunity this week, why do you say to someone, can I tell you my story? You might not know what you're going to say, but you can share something of the goodness of God. But I also want to say to us today, we might have our story if we're Christians, but we've also got our stories. What I mean by that is you might have your testimony, but if, if God has answered prayer in your life, you've got a story. If, if you've known the peace of God in a turbulent time, you've got a story. If, if you ever got healed physically, you've got a story. And around our world this week, we'll find a whole load of people who are in turbulent times. And we can say to them, do you know what? I was in a tough time once. Can I share with you what happened and then can I pray with you? Be a witness. Be a light. Has anyone got any evidence? Yeah, I, I've got some evidence of, of how God can help you in a turbulent time. Maybe somebody has got a difficult situation going on in their world and they tell you and you can say, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Or you could say, do you know what? I, I was in a... I was in a really difficult situation one time. It was a bit different to this, but can I tell you what happened? We prayed and it turned around. Can I pray for you? And we can be a witness. We can share something. We've got our story, but we've also got our stories. I was, uh, I was in Nando's one time and, and I was talking to the guy, trying to engage with people and this guy's serving us and he looked like a student to me. I said, hey, are you, are you studying? And he said, yeah. I said, well, are you at Cov or Warwick? So I'm at Cov Uni. So what year are you in? He said, I'm in my final year. So I said, so what, what? I mean, I'm just making conversation. I said, what, what are you going to do after? And he said, I, I, I don't know. And then he said to me, he said, like, how do you know what path to take in life? It's useful having a bit of gray hair. It's kind of people think you might have a bit of wisdom. What a great question. I, and I, I had to, I was like, oh, I've got a story. No, I, like, I, I, I said to him, like, wow. I said, look, I, I can't answer that without telling you what's happened to me. I said, because I was, I was 17 and I came to know Jesus. And I said, I have no idea how you can possibly make the right decisions with the course of your life without knowing God. Because... God designed you. God created you. God has a purpose for you. And actually, if you come to know him, he will guide you by his Holy Spirit and he will help you. That, that's the only thing I have to offer, but I can guarantee you that actually, if, if you come to know God, he will guide you as to what path to take. And you'll find yourself taking the right path. And we talked a little bit more and I invited him to come to church and then his manager turned up and the conversation came to an end. I wonder where you're going to be this week. In John chapter 9, there's a man who's born blind and Jesus comes and, and he, he makes some mud and he puts it on his eyes and he's healed. The problem is though that it's the Sabbath day and, and Jesus shouldn't have done what he did on the Sabbath. Not only healed, but healing in the way that he healed. It's another story for another day. But, but the Pharisees are up in arms because this has happened on the Sabbath and they don't think it should have happened. They come to the guy who's been healed. They said, look, you're, you were healed. What, what do you say about him? 
And he says, he's a prophet. And they say, they go, no, no, no. He, he, they say, give glory to God. He's a sinner is what they say to him. And he said, look, I, I don't know. He said, I don't know about any of that. What I know is I was blind and now I see. And it might be this week, there are some things where, where kind of people, they'll go, but what about creation and evolution? What about empirical evidence? And you might be able to say, do you know, I, I don't know about that, but I know this. I was blind. Now I see. I, I, was, I was in a turbulent time and God's peace came and touched my life. Some might say, well, what about this and what about that? And a bit like the man in John 9, you might go, I, I don't really know about that, she, but I know this. Let me tell you about this. I want to encourage this church to be witnesses. As we come to a close, uh, I want to take us back to where we were at the start, where Jesus speaks in Luke 21, and Jesus speaks in, in Acts chapter 1, and, and he speaks to the disciples, and he says, you're going to be witnesses. You're going to be witnesses. But I want us to notice two really important things. He doesn't say, you must be my witnesses, and then I'll check in on you. In Luke 21, he says, you're going to find yourselves in different places, and, and you're going to be my witnesses. But, but then he says, don't, don't worry beforehand. Make your mind up not to worry beforehand how you'll defend yourself. And, and, and notice this, he says, I will give you words and wisdom. I want to say to you this week, you might find yourself in a position and you don't know how you're going to share Jesus. Remember this. He says, I, I'll give you words and wisdom. In Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. What I'm saying is this, friends, it's, it's not for God, it's with God. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you. Allow Him to give you the words and the wisdom this week. I want to pray this week that God will open a door for you to share your faith in some way, whether it's through your character and your conduct, whether it's through acts of love and kindness, whether it's through words or stories, that somehow you'll be a signpost. And it might be that, like the woman of Samaria, that as a result, that person will make their way towards Jesus. But we can play our part. Can we stand together as we come to a close? Why don't we open our hearts to pray? And I wonder in this moment if you would like God to use your life this week, maybe to reach out to share the goodness of God with somebody, that you would be open for that. Why don't close your eyes and just open up your hands, that you might be a vessel. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Lord, for your goodness. Lord, thank you for your kindness. Thank you, Lord, that you choose to use us. That, Lord God, you could do all this without, without our involvement, but you choose to use us. And I pray, God, that you would use us this week, that we would be your hands and your feet. We would be your signpost. We would be a witness that you'd, you'd put us into places where maybe we know we're going to go, maybe we didn't expect to be, but we might be uh, salt and light. We might be those that will shine for you and bring your message to a broken world. Help us, God. Thank you that we all have a story if we've come to know your grace, but thank you for the, the abundant stories of your goodness and kindness. And I pray, would you help us know how to bring them in, know how to reach out to those who are yet to know your goodness and your kindness. Would you help us, Lord, for the honor of your name? Amen.